All right, we're back here, T-Day After Dark. Justin, it's been a little while since we've been uh, face-to-face, but, uh, you know, our lives are crazy. Yeah. I know yours just got a little bit more crazy, <laughs> a little bit crazier, you know, if you want to just, uh, you know, you had, some, you had a little bit of a big event last the other week here. Yeah, it definitely was a huge <laughs> event, a life-changing <laughs> event. Yeah, yeah. For, for most, for everyone who doesn't know, I did officially get married a couple of weeks ago here so i'm uh, off the market <laughs> yes so off I the market a, everyone in the comments <laughs> yeah now everyone's gonna be all the ladies are gonna be upset justin's <laughs> locked down yeah so i am <laughs> a newlywed i'm excited to see what the life holds for me and my wife definitely moving forward and it is definitely a huge step but it has been a rough couple of a rough couple of weeks in terms of moving I hate moving. I know you said you moved recently. Yeah, and I moved recently too. It sucks. It's brutal. It just, uh, especially down in Alabama, it's just way. It's just hot. I don't. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. The, I think the biggest thing with me moving was I was in your mind. You think, yo, the sofa and the like. The bigger thing is going to be the hardest part. But those were pretty smooth. We got the big things out. Then it was like, oh, hold up. It's the smaller. Every little thing that you forgot that you use almost every day. But yeah, you know, I've been a challenge. You know, my. I know. I, I'm always. Well, this was like kind of other than moving into my college apartment. This is like my second or third big move, technically. So I was like, I looked up online, like what is the you know the, what the common mover does? You know, get one overnight bag or you know sort through your stuff and throw it out. Which was a big, which is something I should have done because I just have so much crap that I need to get rid of. But you know, I'm a hoarder, so it's just going to stay and stay piled up in my closet forever. Yeah, I throw, I, we throw it away a lot of stuff. I, I kind of felt like it's a heartbreaking. Hoarder. Yeah, I kind of felt like a hoarder. I was like, yo, I kind of see what they feel like because it was some stuff you was like, I, I don't want to throw this away, but I don't really have a use for it now because we're, we're kind of sort of in that middle of you left college and I sort of still have some of my high school stuff, but it's time to get rid yeah, of no, it. Yeah, no, I don't want to throw out my faded like yeah, yeah. 2012 <laughs> lifting shirt from football. No, yeah. it's just going to stay with me forever. You, you know, the logo's ripped off, the sleeves are off, but you know, it's mine. It's part of me now. Yeah, yeah that's, those were some tough decisions that a, a lot got thrown away. Yeah, you got you got to, oh, marriage is about compromise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but no, but getting back to the, getting back to the main conversations here. You know, we got a lot of NFL talk going on, especially with the draft uh, coming in the month or so. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, the 49ers gave up an arm and a leg to trade up to the number three overall pick. And uh, there's some a lot of conflicting reports out there. Is Mac Jones the guy? Is it Justin Fields? I know there's a video shared online today from uh, some Ohio State fans of uh, not showing some, some of the lowlights from, out from <laughs> Mac Jones' pro day, which is, you know... It's it's that that's kind of weird to me yeah. in the sense. Well, I understand I, the guy cleared it up, being like, "Oh no, I still think Mac Jones is great after the fact." But you know, what? But anyways, like, if a guy's gonna overthrow someone in shorts and in shorts and shirts, and you're gonna that's gonna be your point where it's like, you know what? I'm not sold on this guy just <laughs> because he overthrew Devonte Smith by five yards and at his pro day. Then I can't. I, that that might not be the best way to run your NFL franchise to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the pro day in terms of. Uh, against no competition, basically. Starts. Yeah, you're throwing on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Look, everyone's gonna look good. Everyone's gonna hit some, have some incompletions. Yeah. They're gonna hit the turf. I mean, it just not. It, people take way too much away from it. Like, like the Zach Wilson throw. I don't know if you saw it, where yeah, he's yeah, like all it, contorted yeah. and throws it 50 yards downfield. Yeah, it was a bomb. But like, yeah, you yeah. know, when he, when's he ever gonna do that in the game? There's only one guy who can do that. It's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, and I don't. Uh, not nothing against Zach Wilson. He's not Patrick Mahomes, at least to me. 
So I think people get way too hung up on these things personally. But going back to the draft here for a second, um, I want to know your opinion because I know where I stand. <laughs> Do you think Mac Jones should be picked ahead of Justin Fields? Uh, where, wherever, even if it's number three or, or just even further back. No. Nah. Nah? You know, I, mean, I, I, I really like both quarterbacks. I think – they are two different quarterbacks, and it all depends on what your team wants to do. If you want a mobile quarterback, and if you want a quarterback who's There's going the word. to get things done on with his feet and with his arm, you may want to go with Justin Fields. Of course, Mac Jones is not the most mobile quarterback in this draft or anything like that, but he got it done in Alabama, and I think you can't take that away, although some people will bring up he had everybody on his team. He had Superman and Batman, and how you going to lose with the whole DC universe on your team? But uh, but looking at what Mac Jones brings to the table, I think he showed what he can do multiple times during that season because it was time where, it was time where he played almost perfect, and I don't care who you have on your team. Um, I think a lot of, in a lot of situations he showed that it could have been Almost any wide receiver, decent wide receiver, and I think he still would have been a great quarterback at Alabama. I mean, like, and the whole argument of, oh, he had the best of the best at Alabama, what do you think you're going to have in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are all, the, all, even the number three receiver on your team is was going to be the best receiver at his college. You know, these are all super talented players, and so much of the working in the NFL is like finding which scheme you're at. And there's no, there might not be a better scheme than the 49ers because, I mean, they played like three or four quarterbacks last. It was an absolute disaster. They, they on, on paper, their roster, by the end of it, they had the most injuries, and it was really rough to watch at times. But they still won six or seven games. I know that might not be a huge thing to some people, but they, they were able to scrap that out. So if they ever, if they can, if they're able to take someone like Mac who absolutely has the football intelligence to learn this thing. I mean, when you were looking at all these, all the videos and all the coaches, they just raved about his intelligence because he was like drawing up plays from like week two for them. Or he was, he's been studying some NFL teams too. I know he was mentioning that, but I mean, the guy's just a football genius and it compared and pairing that with someone like Kyle Shanahan, who's only going to work with his strengths. Like he is with Jimmy, like he's been doing with Jimmy Garoppolo I mean, I think that's a match made in heaven. And I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not looking to diminish Justin Fields at all. But I just, I, I think Mac has stuff that translates at the next level more so than just, you know, just raw talent. He has, he has the, he, he has this, he has the skill and he has the smarts to be able to, put, to succeed in the next level. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with you on that. And I think this is going to be a great situation no matter which quarterback goes to San Francisco because it is a, possibility that you are not going to be called upon although you are a top 10 top uh, uh, third pick in the NFL draft most of the time when you are drafted that high you are expected to be a player who's going to play year one year one possibly week one of the of that upcoming season and with Jimmy G still being in San Francisco you might not have that weight on your shoulder you might get a year to sit behind a veteran quarterback learn the system and I think that would be a great opportunity for any one of those guys yeah I don't really know how much he's gonna be learning from Jimmy G <laughs> I mean he was he he was he was the he was the prince you know he was the yeah. prince that was promised to make a little Game of Thrones reference yeah. but he, and at least he was in New England when he, he looked like it when he first got there in San Francisco and look he took him to a Super Bowl but I mean he's just kind of average to me, at least. Did he take him to the Super Bowl? Did they take him to the Super Bowl? 
They had a really good coaching staff, and he just he did what he was asked. I mean, I think he threw like he had a, like one of the most he one had one of the most had the all time hilarious stat lines in the NFC Championship. I think he threw for fifty yards, and they won by forty just because their run game was so dominant. Yeah, yeah, I so I mean, look, if that's all you have to do <laughs> to get to a Super Bowl, I think Mac Jones can do that, and so I think he would be a great pick there. He'd be a great fit, and. I think they should just move off of Jimmy. Look, I know they made comments about keeping Jimmy G around for a little bit, but I think right around week six, that's when all these guys kind of, uh, you know, fizzle out a little bit in terms of, you know, the owners get involved, being like, you know what, maybe we maybe we want to see what, what our top three pick has to offer here. And that was something what the Dolphins did with Tua. There, there were reports that uh, – the coaching staff would, didn't think he was ready. They wanted Fitzpatrick, but the owners were like, you know what? Uh, we spent a lot, we have a lot invested in this guy. Let's see what he's got to offer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for Fields or Jones. I like both guys. I really like Fields' mobility and also his strength. I think he's a very strong quarterback, a guy who has good size when you look at his frame. But Mac Jones brings a lot. To the table, I think he was really impressive this past season for Alabama with some of the throws he was able to make and in some of the positions he was able to put the ball in. It it almost looked as if he was playing perfect at times this past season. So any team would be happy to have any of these guys, and if they slip past that number th- that number three spot, um, another another team is going to be happy to have any one of those guys. Oh yeah, another guy people are hoping is slipping is uh, Devontae Smith here. Originally, he was slotted right at the end of the season. Everyone was so excited about him just yeah. because he was the first wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy since Desmond Howard, and that was like, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. But now, all of a sudden, he's sliding down. Up, he, he's some, on, some, on some mock drafts, he's like top, top five, top six. On others, he's within, 15, uh, within the 15, 20 range or 10 to 15 range. There seems to be a little bit the the Devontae tra- train seems to be slowing down just a hair. Yeah, and a lot of that is probably due to his size, which is still it. Look, I get it. I I get it. He's a hundred. He's a hundred and seventy pounds. I don't look at the website. He's not one hundred seventy five. <laughs> he's one hundred seventy. He was weighed at the pro day. Yeah, but I mean, at some in the, they're worried about him holding up, and I think that's a legitimate concern. But he, Nick Saban said in his conference, look, he showed up and he was 150 pounds, and he was able to put on 20 in four years. Yeah. And I'm sure with these NFL diets, you know, they'd say if you thought Alabama had good resources, I mean, look at some of these NFL teams. It's freaking incredible. So I think he'll be able to put on the weight. And also the, the criticisms of him make pot, his physicality, I mean, he was their best blocker downfield when all these like little for for I Jalen Wild be the yeah. first to tell you he was the best blocker on the team. Yeah, and that was that was one of the biggest things that I liked about Devontae Smith is that physicality despite having that slim frame. I think he understood his size and I think he played with the chip on his shoulder, did the little things as far as being physical, going up and get the football at at his highest point, blocking like you said. He was also a tough runner at times. It was not it was not easy to get him down in the open field especially with this quickness with this speed also being a tough runner at times so I definitely think he has a lot and he brings a lot to the table but the biggest thing for Devontae Smith also heading into this NFL draft seems to be the comparison between him and Jamar Chase and it's kind of like the Justin Fields and Mac Jones situation 
pick your um, pick who you want. They I mean, look, if you, if you just looked at, I mean, if all you if you weren't looking at stats or highs, if you're just looking at physicals, I mean, you you, yeah. you would have to pick Jamar Chase. Yeah. This dude's built like an ox, and he plays wide wide receiver. And he runs like a four five four four, something crazy like that. He's a f- absolute freak. And Alabama fans know well off that uh, that LSU game a couple years ago, and that was a great team and a heartbreaking loss and a long night for me because I didn't get home till very very late. Yeah, side, but, side note about that game: when you go back and look at that game, that game was loaded with some talented wide receivers. Oh yeah, I know it was. It was the yeah. most. It was the craziest receiver group ever. I mean, it was Ruggs, Waddle, Smith, Judy, just on one side. That's four first round wide receivers. And he had Chase and. Also, you had um, Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson. Justin, Jefferson. Yeah. Justin Jefferson's killing the league right now, too. <laughs> yeah, that's this what made me think about it, the way he played this past season in the league. And I was thinking about that game. That game was a wide receiver. Um, let me see, a wide receiver paradise because it was wide, great wide receivers all over the field. I still remember going back to that game. That was the first time I'd ever see them break out like the – you know the picnic table to put below the uh, the <laughs> yeah. press box just for all the just to fit all the NFL scouts. Yeah. I mean, each team sent, sent like four people. It was it was literally an atmosphere like I've never experienced because I think that that was like the first like that was the first game for me because I think that that was my first year full time. Yeah, I think no, this was the first year for my first year full. That was the one I was that was my last year interning here. Yeah. But that was the like biggest game i had covered up to that point i was never in an atmosphere that intense before and i don't know how what you get because some of these high school games are crazy sometimes maybe state championships but there's truly or some people may argue nfl games nfl rivalries but i will i will go to the grave saying there is nothing like an intense sec rivalry to experience and that game was like nothing else to me yeah i I definitely agree with you on that i have been to a couple of those, but the ones I've attended have never lived up to the hype. But that one actually lived up to the hype, and I'm pretty sure it was on pretty. Yeah, and that's exciting. what I miss. The thing I miss the most is like everyone else is the crowds, because when when Tua threw that last touchdown pass to Smitty, like the the stadium was shaking. Yeah. It was like a it was like a mini earthquake for what was going on, and it's just something I really miss. And hopefully we can get back to that sooner rather than later. But uh. Yeah, I mean, it's just really, it's just nothing. It's just nothing like college football in the South, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I definitely um agree with you on that. I'm just going to the couple games I've been to. I don't think I've been to one that, like I said, the hype. I think the only one I ex- experienced in Brian Denny Stadium as a student, in terms of the stadium kind of shaking, is when I think the when Tennessee took Alabama down to the wire when he had Derrick Henry, of course. And I think um. I'm not sure who made the sack. I think it was the Sean Han who made the sack on Joshua Dobbs. And oh, yeah, yeah. The, no, I know what you're It was a forced about. fumble. Yeah, and I think that was like that. Damn, you were going to school then? Yeah, yeah, I was going to school then. I just think I was in, geez, I was in high school then. Yeah. Oh, no, I keep forgetting your – so what year did you graduate? <laughs> yeah, high school or – Or college, college. Uh, 20, I graduated one year before you. Okay, you were a year before me. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I never know. I'm sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't keep track of, track of everybody. There's a lot of useless information in this brain. <laughs> yeah, you good. But – Oh, so you said you were disappointed in more games than usual. What's the most disappointing game of you? Do you think, even if you were a student going to it? Well, I I don't know if it was disappointing. I don't remember. I think it turned out to be a pretty dominant win by Alabama. I'm not 100 percent sure. I I can't really remember it too much, but I think it was the Texas and Alabama yep. game. I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. 2017. Was, yeah, yeah. It was like a really, really. Um, I think it was Trevor Knight. It was Trevor Knight, Miles Garrett. Yeah. It was just. It because like that was back when their schedule was 
be honest, it was brutal in terms of just the competition being lesser than expected. I think they played like six unranked teams in a row until that point. And they blitzed them. They absolutely stomped them. But that Texas A&M game, I think they they were like the first ranked team they'd played in a while. Yeah. And they do. There's some momentum behind Trevor Knight and Miles Garrett being like the first overall pick, and they just absolutely took him to the shed. Yeah, and I think another thing that made that game um, have so much hype around it was that Trevor Knight beat Alabama with Oklahoma previously, so they thought he could possibly beat Alabama. And I remember like sitting where I used to sit at in the stadium when I was a student was basically like, so I can see the field, I guess, north and south. And I remember when Jonathan Allen basically did the Superman um, tackle on Trevor Knight. And that was a pretty amazing thing to see live. I don't know, he was a freaking age. I actually have a little bit of an upsetting story. You're bringing back bad memories <laughs> now for me. I have a little bit of an upsetting story from that game. Yeah. So I was a student at the time. It was my first year as a freshman year. And my dad, you know, God bless him, wanted to make sure I was able to go to this huge game. So I didn't, I didn't, you know, spend the $200 or whatever some kid was charging to go sit in the student section. My dad bought a ticket in the normal stands. Yeah. So, I, and it was a pretty decent, it was a pretty decent spot. I think it was in one of the corners of the end zone. And I go there and this is like 40 minutes till, t- till kickoff. I was still tailgating up till uh, as close as I could. But so I go there and this is my biggest gripe. And I know a lot of fans feel this way. And I know Brian Denny has to be like this, but the bench seating. Yeah. There was like, you know, look, I'm a big guy here. Yeah, this is. is like, so <laughs> I need a little bit of space. I can't be squeezing in between, you know, two grown, grown ass people here. Yeah. yeah. I need a little bit of space to like settle in and be comfortable. But this, I, in this situation, there was no space on the bench. They were, <laughs> they were completely taking up my, my spot with their two kids and, like one and one of the parents so i moved two seats down as one would do because yeah. you know i'm not gonna be like you know let me squeeze in between you guys here yeah this is kind of weird so i go two seats down of course the next two people come up and you're in, you're big, hey you're in my seat and being a little hustler i was trying to be i was like hey look i mean they're in my seat they're not moving do you think you could just scooch down and the and I was you know but I'm just a, like a light, nice little freshman here yeah. <laughs> just looking to watch this big game and this woman goes no <laughs> <laughs> just the cold this absolutely she and this this she was not having it with me she was not hearing it she was not hearing my sob story so then I just got up and I stood the entire game and I stood behind the Alabama sideline so in all in all it was actually cool to just like see everyone celebrate on the sidelines but my legs were killing me afterwards. And I walked and you know, I was a freshman, so I walked everywhere. And of course I lived in the in the dorm that was all the way on the other side of campus. So I was hurting on the way home here. I think I was hurting more than some of the players that day because <laughs> they were out by halftime. So that story's still a little bit upsetting to me. And uh I wish the game was I wish the game was a little bit better to justify my pain. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a dis- it was a disappointing game to me as well. I, yeah, I think the build the build up around it was a top ten matchup. It was it was somewhere around. It was a pretty Hyped um matchup, but it's going back to all of the, I guess the, all of the draft talk and just looking at some yeah a lot a lot of those guys are in the league now just, yeah. so yeah but I, a lot someone else that's a little bit disappointed in their situation here is uh some of the comments made by uh our uh good uh, good good NFL draft analyst Todd McShay and some of the things he said about Najee Harris so from what I can tell here from this article. Todd McShay, 
Pat, the ESPN, I'll just read it for me. The ESPN insider would read him the draft report that Ty McShay had on him. And this was during Najee Harris's appearance on the Adam Schefter podcast. Yeah. And some of the stuff that Ty McShay said that Schefter was reading to Harris kind of made him a little bit upset. One of the, th- one of the statements Schefter read was McShay saying how, not, how Harris showed improvement as a pass catcher. And that's been, if anyone's been following Najee Harris, a little bit of a testy thing to poke at with him so as one would uh respond <laughs> Najee's not then this is a quote here Najee Harris said I think Tom McShay can kiss my ass <laughs> how is he gonna say he showed better production I did not play my freshman or sophomore seasons rarely ever I didn't have an opportunity to show I could catch it's not because I can't it's because I wasn't in the game to show people I could catch so let's just stop looking at the stat sheet and watch the game. So pretty emphatically put, and this and this was two years ago. Uh, one of the reporters brought up Najee's uh, route running and ca- pass catching ability and asking him like how much more time the offseason should put in to work on this. And Najee was just like, "Dude, I could always catch. <laughs> I'm playing football here. I I just never got the opportunity to, to run routes and catch passes, and now I do. And now you're seeing what I can do. So." You know, I I'm not gonna put anything against him. He he's if he feels some type of way about it, to you know tell him to kiss his kiss his ass, then you know all all more power to him, right, John? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, it's a lot to poke at when you look at this um, whole situation. First off, I have to applaud Najee Harris the way he has handled interviews um, during his last season. Oh, he's awesome at Alabama. He was an awesome um, interview, very entertaining. I think that it's going to help him at the next level as far as endorsements are concerned. I think he's going to do really well in that department. And he's always been a person who uses profanity a lot. I don't know if you remember his um, recruiting process. Of course, I wasn't a reporter then. I I wasn't covering recruiting when he was going through the recruiting process as far as him coming to Alabama, but his recruiting was a bit of a show, a, bl- a little bit of uncertainty. But I remember people who talk about interviewing him, they will always say he was profanity in every interview. Oh, no, he, he is used. completely <laughs> authentic, which is what I love about him. He was cursing in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was cursing in high school, according to the reports. He just didn't so care. He just, he just, I mean, some of these Californians are just different. They just don't care, you know? And that's what I like about him. He's authentic. He's just going to say what's on his mind. He's not going to change for anybody. You know, he's just going to, he's going to speak his truth and just move on and just go with it. Yeah, he's real. I think he showed, he showed, he showed that a lot of times during his time at Alabama with him giving, <laughs> giving his food away. Of course, you saw that video, but also with them shouting out the local reporter who jumped in on the, on a press conference where he was oh yeah no he remembers people he's genuine like if you if you were with if you were covering him back in in high school and we just hyping him up and he's gonna remember you you know he's not he's just not gonna you know he's not bigger than anybody else he's just the same person like always and i think that's a little bit refreshing because you know some of these players are just either too scared to do it just what are they what the coach gonna say just not just eh, whatever i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say whatever i want yeah and another thing i want to poke at here I actually like Najee Harris out of the backfield. I think he. I, I think a lot of other people do too. I, <laughs> I don't I think, think that's that, a controversial take. <laughs> I, I think that is one of his biggest strengths. I think that's one of the things that kind of separates him from other running backs. When you look at his size, he could be a wide receiver. Of course, he joked about it um, yeah. during the season, saying he is a wide out, on, honorary wide out because he wants to be part of that um, special um, unit, that special group. But 
I always felt that was one of his biggest strengths. I can't. I think it came to the forefront during his last season with Tua Tagovailoa, especially in the LSU game. I oh yeah, he no, he was like to, I think he put a hundred hundred in both the uh, rushing and passing. I mean that, that the whole stretch of that last season, he was just an absolute bell cow. And into this year, Saban was talking about it. You know, we brought up a bunch of times how Alabama just wants to get multiple backs involved, and Saban's like. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. He's just he, he's he. You just have to keep him on the field. He's that dominant in both areas of the game, whether it's passing or cat or or uh, running. It's just it's just it's just crazy how much talent he has, and he's another guy who just built like an absolute animal. I mean, his legs are enormous, and that, no, I mean, no wonder he can jump over humans. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think any team would be lucky to have him and looking at it from the analyst perspective of course we provide our own analysis a lot a lot of times you do have to poke stuff around because you want to see you want to challenge the player you want to see areas where you feel they need to improve and I think it was more Todd Mache having something to say and having some a little bit of evidence behind Najee Harris not being the best catcher, best running back catching the ball out of the backfield because he was unable to get on the field, which is why Najee Harris was so upset, I guess. I guess I can sort of see the analysis behind it, but from my perspective, looking at what Najee Harris brought to the table, I thought catching the ball out of the backfield was one of his strengths. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I get it. The, all these and the, all these guys who work for Fox Sports, NFL Network, or ESPN who are solely covering the draft, they have a lot of players and a lot of tape to watch. So they just based in something, it's, it's all just tape, stat sheets, and phone calls yeah. to wh- whoever. And sometimes the best way to go about it is to talk to like a beat reporter. That's just the best way you can do it. Because I think if you talk to any of like, you know, anybody who is in these Zoom calls, these conferences, you know, what are Najee Harris's strengths or what are his weaknesses? I don't think anybody would have said, you know, he can't really catch or run routes very well. I don't think anyone would have been said that. So I think this is just, it was just a thing of, you know, he's got a lot of ground to cover here, not a lot, of, and he, it, it, it may seem like a lot of time, but it is th- like thousands, hundreds, hundreds of players who are entering this draft. So, I think it was just something that may, it just wasn't that featured in his game or it, on his tape to, at the start, and it's just something that he, you know, all these all producers are probably like, what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? You have to find something. There's got to be something there we got because whether we if we're complimenting someone, we also have to have something that's a little bit critiquing. So I think that's just kind of how it was, and he had to come up with something. And pass catching was the easiest thing, and I think that's just about. I think that's just it. I think that's just it. Yeah, and I, I like I said, I understand the analysis because Alabama offers hundreds of kids each recruiting class, and I have to know something about at least something about it, each one of them for the most part. So it, I definitely feel what Todd, where Todd Mache. <laughs> yeah, you feel from. his pain. Yeah, you, you, have yeah, you got a lot. Of, I mean, I, th- I think I got a lot. Of, there's some, still some people on the roster who yeah, I, who you haven't, oh, I haven't seen you cover before, prior to this or who have transferred in. I'm like, wait, who's this again? I mean, I, it's always rough out here. Just oh, this, I'm not a name person, you know. So it's always just going to be tough remembering these people and just remembering what kind of players they are. It all—it's just a lot of homework. 